Hello, and welcome to Moderate Party, a political podcast for moderates, centrists, and independents. I'm your host, Hilary Lombard, and today we're going to be talking about the biggest news story of the year, COVID-19, but more specifically, COVID relief and why we still don't have it. Let's get started. When COVID started spreading last spring, conversations about the role of government were generally centered around one question. Should we prioritize the economy or public health? Yet here we are in December and we somehow have lost control of both. So today on ModPod, we're going to figure out how this happened and where we go from here. So without further ado, I'd like to humbly introduce today's episode, A Tale of Two Fuck-Ups. Part 1. The economy. So after the 2008 financial crisis, the economy recovered pretty slowly. U.S. employers added 22.8 million jobs back into the job market over a 10-year period. Unfortunately, it only took COVID a month to wipe that out. A month to erase a decade of economic progress. By April, 20 million Americans had lost their jobs and the unemployment rate had soared to 14.7%, meaning that we had lost more jobs in a month than throughout the entirety of the Great Recession. So this economic blow is historic. Literally. We had the highest level of monthly unemployment since the Bureau of Labor Statistics started counting in 1948. Even worse, those figures don't take into account independent contractors or people working in the gig economy, like people driving for Uber or Lyft. Thankfully, Congress met the moment. They passed the largest economic stimulus in history on March 25th, the CARES Act. If you aren't familiar, the CARES Act is a cute little nickname for the Coronavirus and Relief and Economic Security Act. It's a $2.2 trillion stimulus package that was designed to help Americans stay afloat in spite of the economic gut punch that the pandemic was laying on us. The CARES Act included a $1,200 stimulus check for most adults, an extra $600 in weekly unemployment insurance, the Paycheck Protection Program, which offered loans to small businesses to help them stay afloat and keep people employed, as well as an eviction moratorium and some student debt relief. A lot of that stuff might seem dramatic, drastic, or unprecedented, but so is the pandemic, so here we are. While it's not the perfect system, it helped. For a while. Dun, dun, dun. The aid provided by the CARES Act was never designed to last forever. It was only supposed to hold us over as long as the pandemic was around. The thing is, the pandemic lasted a lot longer than lawmakers originally anticipated, so as we started to approach the summer, we also started to approach the deadlines for some of this aid to expire. Everyone knew that these deadlines were coming. It wasn't a secret. So in May, the House passed the HEROES Act, which is supposed to be a second round of government stimulus. This aid package would cost $3.4 trillion. Now, that's a lot of money, so I think it's important to talk about how they wanted to spend it. The House proposes increasing federal funding for Medicaid, another round of stimulus checks, hazard pay for healthcare workers, funding for PPE, which is personal protective equipment, funding for hospitals, COVID testing and tracing, and about $500 billion for state and local government. Now that piece right there is actually critically important because state and local governments are primarily funded by taxes, like property tax, sales tax, and income tax. So you can imagine how, when we are all locked down and unemployment is surging, they're not exactly getting the same amount of sales tax and income tax that they're used to. 
The Brookings Institute estimates that state and local governments are going to see a revenue decline of $188 billion in 2020 alone. In 2021, that's another $189 billion. And in 2022, oh yeah, we're going to lose another $167 billion. So this is huge. And one thing you might not know is that unlike the federal government, state and local governments generally have to balance their operating budgets, meaning they can't borrow to finance a large deficit. Think about it like this. Nike releases a hot new shoe, right? It's, you gotta have it. You go to the store to buy it and you find out that it is so much money. Like, let's say that they're $300, not ridiculous. And you know that you don't have that kind of money to spend on shoes. If you're the federal government, you whip out your credit card and you just charge it. If you're a state or a local government, you're not getting new shoes because you only have a debit card. So if you run out of money, you are out of money. And if you're thinking like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's tough out there. It's tough economically for all kinds of businesses. Of course, it's going to be tough for local government as well. And maybe you're thinking, I don't love the government. I don't want to fund their stupid shit. And, you know, I hear you, man. I do. But you should consider what state and local governments pay for. They spend their money on things like public safety, education, healthcare, social programs. Things that seem pretty important during a pandemic, wouldn't you say? The situation is actually so dire that experts are predicting that cities might have to declare bankruptcy. Can you imagine that? That's insane. It's insane to even think about, especially if you consider how many people are employed by your state and local government. Spoiler alert, it's 13% of total employment in the United States. So if they go under, 13% of our workforce is out of a job, in addition to all of the massive job losses that are occurring in the private sector. So that money for state and local governments is pretty important. Now, back to our story. So the House of Representatives, led by Nancy Pelosi, sends the bill to the Senate, which is led by Mitch McConnell. And their response is pretty much, are you high? Those are my words. Here are theirs. It's dead on arrival here in terms of a viable idea. This is not a time for aspirational legislation. This is a time for practical response to the coronavirus pandemic. And so we're going to insist on doing narrowly targeted legislation, if and when we do legislate again, and we may well, that addresses the problems, the needs, and not the aspirations of the Democratic majority in the House. So Senator Mitch McConnell is basically accusing Democrats of using the coronavirus as an opportunity to get policies passed through that they wanted anyway, which definitely raises the question, were they? The answer is kinda, or rather yes and no. The Republicans definitely have a point that some of the stuff in the HEROES Act is genuinely unrelated. It includes things like a pension plan bailout, uh, access to banking services for the cannabis industry, making your credit report available for free upon request. There's a weird thing in there about providing money to support training, funding, and marketing help for startup farmers and funding for public transit and highways. And listen, some of those things I totally agree with, some of them I don't, but I think we can all agree that they are not directly related to COVID-19. But then there's other stuff in the bill that just kind of represents policy differences. The two parties have very different ideas on how government should function, what role it should play in the economy, and what a COVID relief package should look like. And that's reflected in what they include in the bill. So for example, the HEROES Act deals with election reform. We were headed into a presidential election that everybody was predicting to be very high turnout. And the idea of having a large group of people 
all from different households, waiting in line, possibly indoors for a long period of time, was a recipe for COVID. So the HEROES Act accounted for this by basically saying, okay, we need to up early voting to reduce the number of people that try to vote on election day, and we need to increase vote by mail. In order to increase vote by mail, we also are gonna have to provide some funding for the post office because we're gonna be asking them to do a hell of a lot more. It also included money for the arts and humanities to areas that were hit particularly hard by COVID-19, student loan relief, and policies that would make it so your credit score doesn't suffer drastically due to missed payments during COVID-19. So those things are all, they're all related to economic stimulus. It's just a different idea of what constitutes a stimulus and how we should go about it. I just broke that down for you in a very calm and collected way. Democrats did not. Here's a clip of a very pissed off Chuck Schumer. He's the leader of the Democrats in the Senate, breaking down why Mitch McConnell's actions and the actions of Senate Republicans are completely unacceptable. How many unemployed Americans would it take for Leader McConnell to say he feels urgency and a need to act? How many hungry people would it take? So the bottom line is very simple. We need to act in a big and bold way. The House has started the ball rolling. The Republicans and the President or to understand that and help us move in a big, bold way, not stand in the way. So then let's fast forward a little bit more. Okay, now we're at the end of July. No bill, which really sucks because in July, expanded unemployment insurance expires. So all of those people that lost their job and were getting an extra $600 check per week in unemployment insurance are now getting a lot less money. And while I'm no blind advocate for entitlement programs, get a job, hippie. The coronavirus at this point in the summer was growing a hell of a lot faster than the economy. And now we're rolling into August, and the Paycheck Protection Program, that thing I mentioned earlier that provides loans to small businesses, well, that expires too. So that's gone. At this point, Mitch McConnell decides to write his own bill, the HEALS Act, which, if you're tracking, does not have nearly as cute of a name as the CARES Act or the HEROES Act, so it starts at that disadvantage. Anyway, the HEALS Act is a COVID relief bill worth $1 trillion. It would have provided aid for small businesses and schools, which were trying to reopen in September. It would have extended the federal unemployment benefit by $200 instead of $600. And it would have sent another round of $1,200 stimulus checks to Americans. This legislation goes nowhere. Pelosi doesn't go for it because it doesn't include any additional funding for state and local government. She believes that extra $600 per week is essential to people during this time, and the HEALS Act also includes a five-year liability shield to protect businesses, healthcare providers, and schools from lawsuits brought by workers and employees relating to the coronavirus. This is a big sticking point for Democrats, who believe that any relief spending should prioritize worker safety and not corporate America. Meanwhile, Republicans argue that the liability protections are safeguards that will enable businesses to operate without the risk of an employee or a customer claiming they contracted COVID on the premises and take legal action against them. So House Democrats go back to the drawing board and they basically come up with the HEROES Act version 2, which is offering $2 trillion instead of $3 trillion in stimulus. They come down a trillion and Mitch McConnell still says no. Mm -mm. We're doing the HEALS Act or nothing. At this point, Nancy Pelosi makes it clear that she's not gonna budge again until Senate Republicans can demonstrate some sort of good faith that they are also willing to compromise and negotiate. Because at this point, House Democrats have gone from $3 trillion to $2 trillion. They budged a trillion dollars 
And Senate Republicans are not willing to budge $1. After this, Republicans continue not to move. And now it's December. And you might be thinking, why did you skip all of fall? Well, the answer is that Congress also skipped all of fall. They made zero progress on a COVID relief bill. And talking about that is just going to make me angry. Because while they couldn't pass COVID relief, do you know what they did have time to do in the fall? Well, I'm going to tell you. They were able to confirm an entire Supreme Court justice. Don't worry about us, Senate. You do whatever you need to do, and we'll just sit here and die. Between September 26th and October 25th, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court. Simultaneously, the number of patients in the hospital with COVID-19 increased by 65%. Half of U.S. states saw their highest daily infection number so far at some point in October, and the U.S. set a new record for reported cases, 500,000. And yet still, no COVID bill. Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans were able to move rapidly on Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation. Why? Well, because in November, we were going to elect a new president, and that seat could have potentially gone to a Democratic nominee. So, of course, we got to push that through. We need every Republican seat. The thing is, is that that sends a very clear message to the American people that when something is a priority to Senate Republicans, they can get it done. And boy, can they get it done efficiently. 30 days, wham, bam, done, in spite of nearly unanimous Democratic opposition. It's impressive, honestly. Filling that seat was really important to Senate Republicans, and they got it done. If COVID relief was equally important to Senate Republicans, we would have had a second round of stimulus by now. But it's not. And that fucking sucks. People are dying. And that's on top of the economic impact that we have already talked about. But still, no relief is provided. No compromises were made. No legislation was passed. Which brings us to part two of this episode, public health. Back in April, the U.S. set a record for the number of people that had died of coronavirus. It was 2,752. That was at the peak of the pandemic, back when none of us were leaving our houses, everyone was going crazy because they were stuck at home with their kids. Everyone weirdly started making sourdough bread. I, I don't know, it was weird. But that's what we should have been doing because people were dying at an alarming rate. In the summer, things got a little better, and we started to think that we, had, we were through it. And we were wrong. In the five days leading up to December 7th, the average number of daily deaths in America relating to COVID-19 was 2,566, which is even more Americans than died on Pearl Harbor. Basically, in the first week of December, we were having a Pearl Harbor every day. One death every 40 seconds. We're in the final stretch before the vaccine, and that is so exciting. What a testament to American innovation and science that we were able to produce a vaccine in such a short amount of time. It's incredible. But pandemic fatigue, inconsistent policy, and inaction from Congress has led to an unprecedented third wave of COVID. But you already know that, right? I mean, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you listen to the news. It's everywhere. Even if you don't watch the news, you're a citizen of this country, so COVID has impacted you in one way or another. You know it's getting worse. The stimulus bills that we did pass, and more importantly, the stimulus bills that we did not pass, impact more than the economy. They directly impact public health. I know that that's a big claim, so I want to unpack it. In the spring, when COVID first started spreading, policymakers in almost every state issued an eviction moratorium. 
meaning you can't kick people out of their homes for not paying rent. But over the summer, most of those states allowed those protections to expire. Researchers have now found that allowing that aid to expire and allowing evictions to continue actually led to an estimated 433,000 additional cases of COVID-19 and 11,000 additional deaths, which makes sense to me because without stimulus money, people can't just live unemployed. They'll lose their houses. They won't be able to buy foods for their families. Economic strain, economic hardship, it leads to mental health issues. It's just, it's not a good situation. That's why we all have jobs. We don't wake up and go to work every day because it's our favorite thing in the world to do. No, we get up and we go to work every day because we need money to survive. When you force people to choose between abiding by a health order and paying their rent, they're going to pay their rent. And if a small business has to choose between shutting its doors forever and laying off its staff or getting a little loose on the COVID rules, they're going to get a little loose on the COVID rules. We can't make people choose between doing the right thing by public health and doing the right thing by their families and their employees. People feel pressure to go back to work. Business owners feel pressure to keep their employees on and help them earn a living. They're afraid of losing their livelihood. That doesn't make them bad people. That's completely understandable. Like, nobody's out here losing all their money on principle. It's just not how human beings work. When you force them to choose, what you're going to get is businesses reopening before they should. Businesses that don't have the money to afford the things that are necessary to provide a sanitary and safe environment, they're going to go without those things. There are workers that have been unemployed for months, and they finally get the chance to go back to work, only to find that their workplace isn't taking COVID seriously, either because they think it's a hoax, or they don't have the money to pay for the things needed to make it a safe and secure place. Those workers are going to stay there because they don't have another choice. They need the money. They can't stay home. So the people that are most at risk, the most in danger, are also the ones that are going to do whatever it takes to earn a living because whatever job is available to them is the one that they're going to have to take. Which is why we need a COVID relief package. I know some of you may not be in favor of government spending or increasing the deficit, but hear me out. The government has money for a reason, right? We pay taxes for a reason. And if a historic and unprecedented pandemic that can erase a decade of job growth in two months is not a reason to spend money, then what are we paying taxes for? What is the point of the government if not to come to our aid when an external force attacks our country? The government has a constitutional obligation to provide for the common defense and promote the general welfare, so they need to do it. Senate Republicans have really been hammering home the cost of a stimulus package. They say we're just spending too much, that we're adding too much to the deficit. And I would be much more willing to entertain that option if they held that opinion based on principle instead of politics. And in case you're thinking, whoa, Hillary, you're coming at the Republican Party really hard right now. You said this was a moderate podcast. Believe me, I will come for Democrats just as hard. But on this particular issue, the hypocrisy is not equal. When Republicans passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was their crown jewel of tax reform, they didn't voice any concerns about the fact that this would add $2 trillion to the national deficit over 10 years, according to the bipartisan Congressional Budget Office. $2 trillion is exactly how much the second version of the HEROES Act would have cost. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 benefited high-income individuals and corporations the most. 
low-income working families the least, and there were mixed results for middle-income families. Which raises the question, why is it okay to add $2 trillion to the deficit when it benefits rich individuals and big corporations, but not when it would benefit low- to middle-income Americans who are struggling under the weight of a pandemic that is unprecedented and 100% not their fault? I call bullshit on that. Which brings us to this week. While Pelosi and McConnell were thumbing their nose at each other, a group of centrist senators, that was hard to say, got together and built a bipartisan COVID relief bill. They even managed to get the cost down to $900 billion, which is less than the $1 trillion Mitch McConnell included in his Heals Act. But, as I'm sure you probably could have guessed, Mitch McConnell shot it down. Here's a clip of Mitch McConnell explaining why he doesn't support the bipartisan proposal for COVID relief. Your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. You have paid the price for your lack of vision. You get it. The bill is being debated and negotiated right now, and there is no certainty that it'll pass. Why? Because of our divided country because of ineffective members of Congress, because of poor incentives, because of polarization, and because of division. The cost of that division? There's really no way to get a final number, but I can give you a place to start. The cost of our division is between 130,000 and 200,000 dead Americans. That's the number of deaths that disaster preparedness experts from Columbia University estimate could have been prevented if our government's response to the coronavirus had been quicker, more effective, and more cohesive, as we saw in other countries like South Korea, Japan, Germany, Australia, France, and Canada. Our division also cost us 8 million Americans that have fallen into poverty over the course of COVID-19. If those people had received some sort of additional age package, if Congress had acted faster, more decisively, that could have been avoided. COVID-19 became a political issue instead of a public health one. We failed to come together. One side argued for the economy and the other argued for public health. And as a result, we messed up on both. This episode is centered around the question of why and how. And the answer is actually really simple. It's the same way that we've been getting almost everything wrong lately. We are too divided to function and nobody is willing to suck it up and meet in the middle. To quote the Bible, For everything there is a season, and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, and a time to suck it up and pass a COVID bill. Guys, I know that this episode has been heavy, and I don't want to leave you with a bunch of new problems and no solutions. So let's talk about what you can do about this. The answer is pretty simple. Call your senator. If you don't know who they are or you don't know how to get a hold of them, no shame. Go to moderatepartypodcast.com slash COVID. I have hooked it up with a bunch of links about how to figure out who your senator is and even some scripts with what to say when you get a hold of them. The other thing, which might actually even be more important, is pay attention and remember. Pay attention to what your senator is doing. If they continue to delay this process, if they continue to let Americans suffer, Rather than compromise, you need to vote them out. Their job is to advocate for you, for your interests. They work for you. It's up to you to hold them accountable. So pay attention. Pay attention to if they're representing you and other people that live in your state 
or if they're representing themselves and their party. And make sure you remember next time you head to the ballot box. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you for tuning into Mod Pod. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on COVID relief. If you liked it, please subscribe. And if you're listening on iTunes, please feel free to give us a review, preferably five stars. One final housekeeping item. I never want to lead you guys astray or misrepresent any of the issues that we're covering on the podcast, so I try to cite my sources. If you're ever curious where the information for the episode came from, you can go to moderatepartypodcast.com and click on the episode that you listened to. This is going to take you to the show notes where I have listed all of the sources that I used to prepare this episode. So feel free to check them out for yourself. If you have questions or comments about the pod, feel free to email me. Send them to talk at moderatepartypodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Take care and stay safe.